We want to welcome all those who are in the house, and we welcome all those watching online today. We are so thankful that you're tuned in to catch this service online. Uh, it's one thing to watch us online, but it's on a whole nother level to catch us in person. And we invite you, if you're ever in our area, please stop in. We would love to meet you. We'll send you home with some free gifts. And we would love to see your smiling face join us here at Destiny Church. Last week, I started a series I'm calling, I Can't Stop. I Can't Stop. And last week, we talked about, I Can't Stop My Praise. Uh, we can't stop our praise, right? Praise becomes the fuel. Praise becomes the fire. Praise becomes what I need to get through my day. Praise breaks my environments. Praise changes my attitude. Praise changes me, and it changes those around me. Now, today we're going to talk about I can't stop my prayer. I can't stop my prayer. You ever heard it's not what you know, but who you know? Ever been there? I, I remember one time I was uh, just, uh, just, uh, just started in the ministry. I just came out right out of Bible college, and uh, there was a very popular speaker uh, in the Christian world, he was probably the most well-known speaker in the world at that time. And it probably still, if I told you his name, you would know him today. He's still one of the most popular uh, uh, speakers in the world, draws thousands and thousands everywhere he goes. And he was going to be speaking at a conference, and uh, they were giving away free tickets to this. And the conference was sold out. People were trying to find tickets. They couldn't get tickets. But I knew a person. And I, I knew someone on the inside, and, and, and their father was in charge of putting together this conference. And they, they said, oh, yeah, we, we, we'll save you a seat. And so I, I just knew I was showing up. They're going to save me a seat. But I didn't know they were saving me a seat next to the speaker on stage. And so you can imagine when I showed up, and I have friends that are, seriously, true story, friends out there waiting, hoping to be on the reserve list to get in. Pastors that I've known for several years trying to get in. Leaders trying to get in. And they, I walk up in front of all the line without a ticket. And they say, oh, yeah, yeah, come on up. We got, we got a spot for you. I'm thinking they're going to sit me in the back. Well, they're walking me to the front. I think they're going to sit me on the front row. And then they bring me up on stage and sit me right next to the speaker. And all my friends are looking at me like, how did you get that spot? I'm like, you just got to know the right people. I had no clue. Uh, there's been other times I've, I've gone to restaurants that were, that were standing room only, waiting. You know, the waiting list was like an hour and a half. And you get ready to leave, and all of a sudden, someone who's working there sees you. It's like, hey, Pastor Jake, come here, come here, come here. Hang on, I'll, I'll get you a table. And, and they find you somewhere, and they, they just happen to have a table ready for you. And they bring you in, and uh, people look at you like, how'd you, how'd you get that? I'm like, you just got to know the right people. There's been times I've been able to go backstage places or do things just because I just happen to know the right people. And being connected, it pays off at times, right? Let me tell you another secret. It pays to be nice to people. Just saying. You be nice to the waiter. You be nice to the manager of that restaurant. And when they don't, they just continue your favorite meal. They still make it for you because they remember how nice she was to them. Because it's not always, you know, what you know, it's, who you know. I want to just tell you a situation just that you all should know that everyone in this room, you know someone way more important than a concert manager. You know someone way important than a restaurant manager. You know someone way important than backstage passes. You know the king of kings and the lord of lords. And you're a king's kid and you got to know you're connected. 
You know people. And when you need things to change that seem like there's no way to happen, you're connected to the right person because you can boldly approach the king. You can boldly approach the king. He has invited us to have access to him. He says you can boldly approach his throne of grace. Prayer allows us to go to God. Prayer allows us to have access to God and his presence in our life. God can move in your life and make a way when there seems there is no way. God can make a way when the doors are shut. God can make a way when it seems like it's not possible. How did that happen for them? How did they get a raise when everybody else got fired? How did that, true story, been there, done that. Why? Because they don't understand something. I'm connected. I'm a king's kid. You are as well. Many people have a imitation. They're not imitation, but a, they're intimidated. They're intimidated by the thought, how do I pray, Pastor? I, I'm going to leave prayer to you. Many people have the thought, how, how do I pray? Matter of fact, can I just tell you, you're not the only one to think that question or ask that question. Jesus' disciples, own disciples, they told Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus went on to teach his disciples how to pray. Now, how many know if Jesus is going to teach something on prayer and how you and I should pray that we should really pull up a stool and listen, right? We should really open our heart and our ears to hear. This is what Jesus said is the way we should learn to pray. And so we're going to look at this today. I'm going to give you a few thoughts from this Matthew 6, 9, and 10. Let's get the opening of this scripture. This is Jesus talking, teaching his disciples how to pray. He said, in this manner, this is how we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I love the fact he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because let's be honest, if we're really going to be truthful today, most of our prayers center around our will. God, I want this. God, open this for me. God, do this for me. God, we, we treat him like a genie in a bottle. We think he's going to do my wish. What Pastor Gene said, if I pray and believe, uh, listen, there is something of faith. Obviously, I'm not discounting that. But I want to tell you something today, that God is a holy God. And when he meets my needs, it's because it fits into the center of his will. And so the first thing I've got to seek is, is this God's will, not my will. God, not my will. That's what Jesus prayed in the garden. Father, not my will, but yours be done. This is what he told his disciples. Pray, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done. I love that he uses the word father here. At the time Jesus was teaching, this was such an important part to really grasp what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. The word father is a word that was not used when it came to God. It was not used, but Jesus taught them to use the word father. He was talking about this because see, up until this time, the presence of God was seen as something set apart. You and I were never allowed to be in the presence of God. Only the high priest who were chosen of God could be in God's presence in the holies of holies. 
and they had to go through a ceremony cleansing and sacrifices. A lot went into this. Had, their life had to be so pure, and they had to do so many sacrifices and cleanse themselves, had to dress a certain way. And when they went into the presence of God behind the veil, the Bible says they had, they had bells around the bottom of their robe, and then they tied a rope onto their, their ankle because if they went in there and they heard the bell stop, that means the priest had fall over dead in the presence of God. He didn't do something right, and he was unworthy to be in the presence of God, and they would have to pull him out, because you ain't going in there to get him, are you? No, I ain't going either. And so we, we, they had to pull him out by a rope. So this is their idea of God at this point, is God is behind the veil. God is unapproachable. God is only for the select few. This is what their view of God was. So when Jesus starts off on how the prayer, he says, Father, which means Abba, Father. It means Daddy God. It's a really personal thing. Abba, Father. Jesus, I love this, that Jesus shatters the religious viewpoint of God. I mean, he comes right in and just smashes that up to pieces. God is not a God hiding behind a veil, but he wants to be Abba, Father, Daddy God in your life. He wants to be the God who's not a deadbeat dad. He's the Father who will show up. He's the Father who will never leave you nor forsake you. He's the Father that loves you unconditional. He's the Father that wants the best for your life. He's the Father that longs to bless you. He's the Father who wants to be with you, and he's given you access access to him. Dad, Habba Father. I love the story of a little boy who was in Sunday school class, and they were talking about God, and the little, one little boy raised his hand and said, teacher, what's God's name? And she said, well, it's just God. And the little boy raised his hand and said, well, I know his name. She goes, you know his name? Well, why don't you tell the class? And she's like thinking in her mind, this is all going to be really good. He goes, yeah, God's name is Howard. His name is Howard. How many knew God's name was Howard? She goes, where did you hear that God's name was Howard? She said, well, Jesus said it. He said, our Father in heaven, Howard be thy name. <laughs> if you like those dad jokes, I'll be here the rest of the week. All right. He said, Howard be thy name. What, what does Howard mean? It means Holy. So, so he is a approachable father dad who is a holy God. And so it's the balance of both. He wants a personal Abba relationship with us, but he also is, we wants us to say, God, you are holy. You, there is none like you. Father, you are great and greatly to be praised. There's a reality. And the reality is this, that sometimes we feel like there, there's a wrong way to approach God you know, but let me ask you, is it really, besides being disrespectful, is there really a wrong way to talk to your father? I mean, dad loves it when you just talk to him. I love it. My, my kids talk to me about a, a variety of things, whether it's a problem, whether it's, it's something that just they're thinking about for the future, whether it's something they just want to laugh about, whether it's something that's going on in their day. I, I love it when my children actually connect and talk to me. And he says he is Abba Father. That means that he, he enjoys his children. And what I want to tell you, that there's really not, not a wrong way to pray to God. There's really not a wrong way. He just wants you to talk to him. He wants you to share what's on your heart. He wants you to share what you're going through in your life. 
So if we're gonna talk about what prayer looks like, let's write this down. Number one, prayer positions us for provision. Prayer positions us for the blessings of God, provisions of God. As a parent, I appreciate my kids when they call me. But most of the time, when they call, when they were younger, they were like, all right, what do you need? You know, I mean, talk, when, when they're taking time not to text you, but to actually call you. Why well, do you talk to you? You know, there's going to be something followed by, I need money, right? Okay. And as a father, as they've grown older, and now they're getting more financially independent, and they're making a way in life, I, I appreciate now when we have talks that don't center around money. I love it when we have talks that don't center around what they need. And they, I see them becoming more independent, and I see them growing and maturing and taking more responsibility. As a father, that makes me proud. But also, as a father, if they're struggling, if they're doing their best, and they're not just out wasting their money and, and being foolish, but if they're really trying their best and they're still falling a little short or struggling with something, I want them to come to me. I want them to talk to me. I want to help them. I want to help them talk and find a solution. I, I want to I help them if I am able to help them because as their father, I want to bless them. As their father, I want to help them when they can't figure it out. As their father, I, I want to do this. So I want you to get the picture that the Father is wanting to bless you. The Father is wanting to help you. The Father is wanting to get you out of that problem. The Father is wanting to do a miracle in your life. But he's just waiting for us to ask. He's waiting for us to, to approach him. I wonder how many of us struggle with that thought. I'm just waiting. Uh, but God wants you to, I want you to see the picture that God wants you to approach him. God wants you to share what you need. I want to help. He wants to help. Look at Matthew 6, 11. It's another part of the scripture. It says this prayer. He said, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Signifying that, first of all, he, he expects us to talk to him every day. He's, he, he's expecting us to approach him every day. Prayer is not just something we do on Sunday mornings. Just like worship is not something we do just on Sunday mornings. It, it's a lifestyle. And a believer, a mature believer, they learn how to walk us out every day in their life because they realize, I can't stop my praise. I can't stop my worship. And I can't stop my prayer. He says, I'll give you this bread daily. Pray for my daily bread. Bread represents our need to survive, the things we need to survive in our life. God, give me my daily bread, the things I need to survive. If we're going to come to God every day, we need to destroy some myths about prayer. And I want to just quickly hit these for you. Some myths about prayer, we need to just crush this. If we're going to come to God every day and you do it with confidence, we need to crush some myths that our minds play. Number one, we got to destroy the myth that prayer it's just for the professionals. Prayer is, Pastor, I'll let you pray because you're better. Listen, prayer is just not for the professionals. Only pastors or leaders or the holy people are allowed to, prayer, to pray. That's, that's not true. That's the farthest from the truth. The Bible crushes that. The Bible destroys that. He expects all of us to have access to the Father. Jesus said he, we all pray in this way, to the Father. Let me give you some, some insight today. Your prayers are just as powerful as my prayers. 
Just learn to use your faith. Learn to engage it. That's why we have a prayer team that prays for people at the end of our services because Pastor Gene doesn't have to be the only one that can pray for you. I love praying for you. I love laying hands on you and agreeing with you. But listen, we have a lot of people and a lot of people need to use their gift of prayer. The Bible says we pray one for another. We carry each other's burdens. And God expects us to learn how to pray. And we got to quit making it so professional. You know, I've met some professional prayers before. Have you ever seen people who are professional? They're just good. They're like, I can just listen to them pray all day. I, I put the, I want to have them praying, just running through. I want to listen. I fall asleep listening to them. There's some people, I get it. They're gifted for elegant prayers. And there's people I know who have powerful prayers. When they pray, you, just, you feel it, right? But I want you to know today that it's okay just to say, God, I need you. God, I believe you can handle this situation, and I'm going to speak in the power of Jesus' name. I'm going to pray over my family. I'm going to pray over my children. I'm going to pray over my mind. I'm going to pray over my life. I'm praying over my job. I'm praying over my home. I'm praying over my team. They need Jesus, please. Ever been there? Listen, in all honesty, I want you to know this. You can pray. Get that out of your mind. Prayer needs to be significant. That's another one, right? Well, I, I don't, all these small things are just not important to bring to God. God cares about you. He says, look out there at those birds of the field. They're, they're being taken care of. I feed them. They're not going without food. They're, they're not going without shelter. I take care of them. How much more will our Father take care of you and I? Nothing is insignificant. You can pray to God about the small things in your life. He cares about the small things in your life. It seems too small. I don't want to bother God. <laughs> You're not going to bother God. I promise you. Prayer doesn't work. I don't want to use it. It just doesn't work for me. Can I just tell you that God is not Oprah? And you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. We've got to quit this idea that God's our genie and he's, he's going to like Oprah show. You're going to get everybody, everybody's going to get something before they leave. This is not how prayer works. But I want you to know there is a God who is still the God of miracles. He's still the God who answers prayer. If God has ever answered a prayer in your life, can you just raise your hand and say, I can tell you. Look at these hands everywhere. People, I want you to know God is still the miracle working God. God still makes a way. He's the way maker in our life. When there seems there's not a way, God can make a way. When it seems like it's not possible, God does it possible. I'm telling you, God has come through for me time and time and time again when I thought there was no way out he always provides a way out when I didn't see how I was going to get through he provided a way through God is still the miracle working God but prayer is not about the answer prayer is about the trusting he may answer yes he may answer yeah, no or he may answer not yet either way he's answering your prayer and as a believer, I've got to be content and learn to trust that, God, if you say no, there's a reason for your no. If you haven't done it yet, there's a reason. Your ways are higher than my ways. You know a lot more the big picture than I know. There's a reason. There's a reason. And so prayer becomes about me trusting. He may remove your problem or he may remove the fear of your problem. 
He may calm the storm or he may just calm you in the storm. Either way, he's working on your behalf. It's okay to pray small prayers. It's okay to pray for the favor of the Lord on your life. And number two, prayer positions you for power. Prayer positions you for power in your life. Look at verse 13 now says, and do not lead us unto temptation. I know none of you suffer with temptation in this room, right? I guess I'm the only one. But deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and yours is the what? Power and the glory forever. Amen. Temptation is everywhere. Let's be honest. Temptation is everywhere. We're going to be tempted today. We're going to be tempted tomorrow. Temptation is everywhere. And the Bible says that we have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who understands every temptation we have faced. So every temptation we face, he understands it. This is why he was born a baby and grew up so he could identify with you and I, so he could relate to you and I. Not only as Abba, Father, God, and God the Son, but he also can identify that, I've, hey, Dad, I understand what they're going through. Dad, I understand the struggle. Dad, I understand the temptation. Whoever said God will never give us more than we can handle, lied. The Bible says God will never give us more. No, let's be honest. The Bible didn't say he'd never give us more than we can handle. He said he'll never give us more than we can handle without him, right? With him, we can handle anything. With him, we can get through anything. With him, we can survive anything. With him, we can overcome anything. With him, we can get through our hardest times in our life. It's with him, not with me. It's him. Let's get the, let's get the attitude right here. It's not about me. It's about him. I only get there because of him. I only get through because of him. The struggle is real. Temptation is real. How do I overcome? I got to have power to overcome. And when I pray every day, I'm giving myself the power to overcome temptation. Oh, pastor, I'm just living under grace. Yes, you are. It's an amazing grace that we don't deserve. And I can tell you this. God's grace forgives us of all of our sins. It's an amazing thing. But how many know that God's grace, he didn't die on the cross and give us his grace so that we could be forgiven of sin, so we could walk around controlled and addicted to our sin in our life. He's given us the power to overcome some sin in our life. He doesn't expect you to fall to the same sin every day, every day, but he wants you to get stronger. He's giving you that power. And that's why he says, come to me, pray to me. Don't let the temptations control your life. It's not a sin to be tempted but don't let it control you. It will dominate you. No, you've been given a power to cut off that through prayer. Be smart, right? I don't know why. I don't know why I'm still struggling. I was struggling with alcohol addiction, pastor. I just keep struggling. Well, what's the problem? Well, I was in the bar the other day with my buddies and I just keep, I keep struggling with, I, was, I thought I was over it. Well, how about we don't go to a place that is dominated with alcohol, okay? This, this is a question. If that's your vice, if that's the thing you're, you're struggling with, your addiction, to stay away from that. I don't know why I keep, I keep being lusting after these people, my coworker at work. What could it be that you keep finding yourself eating lunch alone with that person? I'll just hit someone's toes. All right, all right. I'm just telling you, right? We, we got to be smart. Prayer 
helps me see those things. Prayer says, you know what? Wisdom is I need to sit with the group. Wisdom says I need to not go to that place. Wisdom says I need to quit hanging around this group of people. Wisdom says I need to be around some more wise people in my life. Come on, we can, we can do a lot. Prayer helps us do these things. The more I pray, the more power I have to resist. And number three, prayer positions us for freedom. Prayer gives us power, but it also gives us freedom. It positions us to have freedom in our life. Matthew 6, 12, and then we'll skip to verses 14 and 15. And what? Let's say it again. And forgive. I know that's a hard word. Get it out there. You can do it. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Everybody likes to receive forgiveness, but not everybody likes to give it away. We're good at taking it. Thank God for grace. I've been saved by grace. Grace, grace, grace. Set me free. But then we don't want to give it away to nobody else. So he taught us this is how we want to pray daily, right? Forgive me, my debts, and as we forgive our debtors. For if you forgive men their trespasses, what? Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will you or your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, what I want you to see here, that verses 14 and 15 were not part of the prayer, but after Jesus was ending the prayer, this is immediately what he said. So he was dealing with that part. He was speaking to that last part of the prayer when he says we gotta ask God to not only forgive us, but ask God to help us forgive others. It's not an easy thing, but it's an important thing. It's an important part of the Christian walk where we learn to forgive those who have done us wrong, those who have hurt us. And I've heard people preach and say, if you don't forgive others, God's not going to forgive you. Now, I want you to know, as we look at the Bible as a whole, that's not correct theology because it talks about the grace. I have grace in my life, which trumps that. But what we're seeing here is an overall attitude that God really wants to bless you and when you allow unforgiveness to settle in your heart, in your mind, you're stopping yourself short of where God wants you to live your life. And you're going to walk short of the blessings he wants you to walk in when you're holding on to unforgiveness. God wants you to experience the blessing of being forgiven. He wants you to walk in that freedom. But he can't get you to walk in total freedom if you're hanging on to unforgiveness in your life. See, it's a cycle in our life. And we either live in a grace cycle or a judgment cycle. Look at this. A grace cycle says this. A grace cycle, God forgives me, I forgive myself, and then I forgive others, right? Because God has forgiven me, I can learn to forgive myself. Sometimes that's even harder, right? If I learn to forgive myself for the stupid choices and things I've done, and then if I do that, I'm, I can easily forgive other people as well. But too many people get caught up in this judgment cycle. I judge others. We judge others. We're looking around judging all those who have hurt us, all those who have done wrong. I find myself judging others all the time. And when I become critical of them and judging them, and then pretty soon that looks into the mirror and says, oh, I'm not good enough either. God can never use me either. I've made too many mistakes either. And I see myself as judging myself. And then I see God as judging me. And then I feel just confined to a judgmental spirit. And so you got to let a grace spirit flood your life. 
God, you have forgiven me. God, thank you. You have forgiven me of my debts. God, forgive me. God, you thank you for giving me my sins. And now help me to help forgive others of what they've done against me. Those who have trespassed against me, help me. Why? Because it breaks the cycle of judgment in your spirit. You've got to get past that self-condemning place in your life. If you can forgive others, then God can help you forgive yourself. And then you realize I'm walking in the forgiveness of God. It's the grace that we're walking in. It's an important part. I heard a true story the other day about a man who showed up in a church. And as this man was telling the story, as this pastor said, this man came to our church for the first time. And I greeted him after church. And I said, how you doing? It's your first time here? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, he goes, well how'd you hear about the church? He goes, well, actually, I'm an atheist. He goes, I look kind of complex. Like, then what are you doing here? You know, in back of my mind, thinking we're kind of all in for God here. Just as so you know, if you're an atheist, he's thinking he was kind of curious. What, what brought you here? He goes, I'm an atheist and I just got out of jail. And he said, while I was in jail, I, I got, reason I got in jail is I, I got caught robbing some people in their house. And he goes, I got thrown in jail. And while I was there, these people started writing me and corresponding with me. And through our writing and corresponding, eventually they told me that they forgave me. He goes, and it impacted me so much that this family, that I had stole their stuff. I'm in jail because I stolen and violated their home and their things and their life. They told me they forgave me. He goes, I, I don't believe in God yet. But I know any place that would help people to forgive somebody like me, I need to come check it out and see if there's anything to it. And he came to church with them. He said, and I watched that man eventually give his life to Jesus. I watched that man find a, a wife in the church and I married him eventually. And God just did a 180 in his life because somebody forgave him. See, when, when you forgive people, it does an amazing thing in their life. It does an amazing thing in your life. He wants us to learn to forgive. Well, pastor, I can't forgive. You are right. You can't. But God can. And God working in you can allow you to forgive the people that have hurt you the most. But what they did was unexcusable. You're right. I'm not asking you to excuse it. I'm not asking you to say that there doesn't need to be justice. But what forgiveness does, it says, I am releasing them to God. I'm releasing them. I'm not going to hold on to it. God, I'm placing their future in your hands and I'm moving on. Because see, Jesus knew something that when we don't forgive and we harbor unforgiveness in our life, it's like taking a glass of poison and we drink it Drink that glass of poison. And then we look at our enemies and say, ha, 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 that'll teach them. Hoping they'll, hoping they'll die from the poison we drank. And it ain't hurting them at all, it's just hurting me. And there's a reason why he wanted us to walk in forgiveness because Jesus is serious about our freedom. And he knows that as long as you're harboring unforgiveness, you're living to a prisoner to that event, a prisoner to that person. 
But when you say, I'm forgiving you and putting you in God's hands, I'm moving on. I'm not going to be a prisoner to what happened to me any longer. I'm going to stop being a victim and I'm going to walk a victor because now I'm a king's kid. I've been set free. God has forgiven me. And through time, he's going to help me to forgive those that don't deserve to be forgiven. It's not going to be easy, but it's necessary. He was so serious about it. He said, this is, what we, this is how you pray. And he knew he was going to be hurt. That's why he included it in the daily prayer. Father, help me to forgive him. People are going to make you mad at work. Father, help me to forgive him. People are going to make you mad in your family. Father, Thanksgiving's coming up. Help me to forgive him, please. The last thing he ended with in verse 13, he said this. Look at he says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What? Amen. Let's say it together. Say, amen. If you're really serious, you say, amen. What's that mean? That means so be it. So be it. It is true. So you got to believe when you pray to the Lord, you can say, amen with authority. And so be it. The Father is at work here. So be it. The Father's at work in my life. So be it. My miracle's on the way. So be it. Breakthrough's coming. So be it. God's going to do something when I don't see it. So be 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 it today. Let it be so. Let it be so, God. Let it be so, God. Let it be so, God. Let it be so, God, as we stand to our feet this morning. How many just, let's just be real honest. Say, Pastor, I'm going to take my prayer to a different level starting today. I'm going to make my prayer. I can't stop. Listen, I know you know how to pray, but sometimes we just got to have it. It doesn't become the priority it needs to be. I can get there. You can get there. But today, destiny, how many know that in everything we do is only fueled by not only our praise, but by prayer? It's a daily thing. God will set revival to Destiny Church when people learn to pray, when people learn to seek after Him. Listen, it's got to be a daily thing, not just a Sunday thing. It's got to become a daily thing. So how many say today, Pastor, I'm ready to make prayer a daily part of my walk. I'm ready to make prayer a stronger part of my walk. I'm ready to make prayer and go to a new level in my relationship with God. If you say yes and amen, raise your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, right now, well, I thank you for people who are renewing their hearts to the power of prayer in their life. God, I pray right now, God, you set our hearts on fire. God, we can access you in your presence. God, may we go there every day. God, may we talk to you every day. May we spend time in your presence every day as we declare the goodness of God. Come on.